Hello, 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 and welcome to the Kingston Curator here on CFRC 101.9 FM. The Curator is your weekly arts and culture news program, bringing you the latest and most intriguing in local creative pursuits. My name is Lauren Tucker, and I'm very happy to be your host, teaming up with our outreach coordinator, Mary McKetty. On this program, we'll be featuring arts headlines, interviews, and of course, our live music calendar all throughout the summer. This week, we're bringing you interviews from Arts on Queen's campus and from Hotel Wolf Island, with Union Gallery curator Vince Haw chatting with us about summer programming, and co-host Ed Gavigan of this weekend's True Stories at Hotel Wolf Island event. Plus, Mary brings us live music interviews with London band Moffat Avenue, local classic rock group The Change, and singer-songwriter group Jonah McLean and The Gimmicks. We'll have all of that plus your live music calendar coming up here on CFRC, but first, here are your headlines for the week. The Kingston Buskers Rendezvous continues in the downtown until July 9th on Princess Street, Ontario Street, and in Confederation Park. These performers will be delighting downtown crowds in a variety of music, juggling, dancing, magic, circus, and even live fire performance, and passing the hat around for any support you may want to give. The full schedule is available now, so to learn more and view the program, visit downtownkingston.ca. The Movement Market Collective continues presenting their Ground Up Dance Festival until July 9th, featuring professional and community dance performances, opening and closing night parties, and workshops throughout the city. Some events are ticketed or on reserve, so for a full festival schedule and tickets for reserved events, you can visit movementmarket.ca to plan some contemporary dance in your life this week. From now until July 9th at the Leon Center, Cirque du Soleil's Cortio will be delighting Kingston crowds with their dazzling arena show. Combining acrobatic feats, comedy, and acting, the show plunges spectators into a theatrical world of fun and spontaneity situated in a mysterious space between heaven and earth for the whole family. Tickets start at $44 and are available now at leoncenter.com events. And new at Kingston's Independent Cinema, The Screening Room, you can visit every Thursday evening and Friday night through to August 3rd for the B-Side Cinema series, bringing you underrated gems from Hollywood auteurs David Fincher, Christopher Nolan, Steven Spielberg, Sofia Coppola, and David Lynch, with series host Dan Simpson, PhD student and host of Eyebrow Cinema on YouTube. Tonight, you can catch Spielberg sci-fi drama AI Artificial Intelligence at 9.30 p.m. For a full list of this month's B-Side features and for tickets, you can visit ScreeningRoomKingston.com. This weekend, you can catch Domino Theatre's one-act festival tonight and tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. at the Domino Theatre Davies Foundation Auditorium. Two one-act plays will be presented each night. On July 7th, you can see Yola's Mythical Adventures by Michelle McNichol and Light of a New Dawn by Jacob Smith. On July 8th, you can catch the Meet TV reunion special by Harry Jordan and Coming to the Table by Anne-Marie Bergman. Three judges and audience participation will determine which of these plays is the winner who will go on to the professionally adjudicated Eastern Ontario Drama League Festival in November. Tickets for each night are $20 for adults and $10 for children and students and are available now through the Kingston Grand Box Office at 613-530-2050 and at kingstongrand.ca. For our first interview this week, I'm pleased to welcome the curator of the Union Gallery, Vince Haw, to chat with us about all four of the gallery's summer exhibitions, Gentle Disruptions, A Bee Encounter, Scrape Knees on Peculiar Limbs, and From Unsettling to Unmaking. That's here on the Kingston Curator, but stay tuned because Mary will have your live music calendar and more coming up next. Thank you so much for being here and uh, welcome to CFRC. 
Thank you so much, Lauren, for inviting me um, to come and share some of the stuff that's happening at Union Gallery. Yeah, it sounds like there's um, so there's a couple of fresh exhibitions that are going to be running, as I understand, through to August. And so I understand you curated the Gentle Disruptions ongoing exhibit, which seems really intriguing thematically. Would you mind talking to us about what this theme and this exhibition touch on and how each of the curated works kind of comment on that? Right. Um, so I was um, uh, kind of um, assigned as a uh, graduate student um, researcher for the Union Gallery. Right. And when I had a conversation with Morgan and Abby, who is currently um, leading the Union Gallery, about um, things that we can do or upcoming shows that we can do, and they were really um, excited about this idea of radical play. And so during that conversation, I mentioned that, you know, the term or the word gentle disruption has been on my mind for a very long time. Yeah. And it was something that I was looking forward to exploring and they were very open about it. And um, that, you know, that idea really came about, it was because, um, you know, I just recently started my PhD program in uh, screen culture and curatorial. Uh, curatorial studies at Queen's University and so for the first year I relocated um, to Kingston um, and so I just see a lot of frictions yeah. um, I also see a lot of um, you know there's a definite shift a visible shift in terms of demographic in Kingston we try to bring together a group of artists we have seven artists um, that's uh, Michelle Bunton, uh, Guy Chung, Frank Dessa, Zachary Georges Gagné, Aaron Kennedy, Lisa Rich, Harley Sarfield, along with the main exhibition, which is the um, Gentle Disruptions. Three other artists are also uh, sharing that space. Um, so I'll, I'll have a chance to talk about um, those works later. But um, even in the show, uh, the Gentle Disruption show, what we try to show is like, you know, the different perspective of what it means to be gentle and to disrupt. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the artist's approach, practice, and the art piece, they contradict each other. Um, sometimes they, they, they amplify each other. Um, and I think it's so um, enriching um to bring in you know those artists but then along with that we're also bringing in community groups yeah okay um so yeah so we're 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 having um the kingston school of art to bring in um children our kids um to come in and actually disrupt the space so there'll be a day where they come in and they will um you know take over the gallery for a bit and then the work that they produce will also stay in the gallery okay that's really fascinating actually yeah so we actually encourage people to come into the exhibition and disrupt the exhibition itself um so and we um, are actually also taking um, the effort to disrupt our own exhibition so what you see at the beginning of the of, 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 of like the opening reception is not what is going to be at the end and we have no idea what, how it's going to evolve over the summer um, and I think that's the joy of it is that yeah. you know to give up that sense of control and to invite other communities um, to use the space to um, you know to really rethink about um, the space because Union Gallery 
itself is also kind of tethered to the Stouffer Library. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, you know, it it's situated uniquely in terms of its reliance on institutional support. And so, to be able to have that conversation in that space, I think is also very unique. Absolutely. And you know, like for the opening reception, we invited guests to write mental health messages、um, and leave them in books in Stover Library.、Um, yeah. And so that by chance, students, you know, when they come back after the summer and they're studying, and if you know,、um, it, it's just a gentle reminder to tell students to take a pause、uh, during their studies. Yeah. Um, and you know, to just take a moment for themselves. So I think we're just looking at different ways of what it means to be、um, to disrupt, and what does it mean to disrupt gently. And even during the exhibition, we were just、um, you know,、um, or, or the opening reception, we we're talking about you know, even though we call the exhibition gentle, you know, what's gentle for us is not necessarily gentle for someone else. Yeah.、Um, Yeah, and I, I I shared a story about my mother because when I was young, you know, and whenever I was sick, my mom would press me down, and she would rub me with、um, like medicinal oil, and she would score my back with a loony, and、um, it would create bruise marks, and it kind of resembled like a fish skeleton. And the next day when I go to school, I'm always kind of forced to wear something that's long sleeve or something that will hide my neck. Because she's so afraid of teachers, you know, misidentifying it and calling child service on her、yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's kind of like you know, for her, something like this is you know an act of gentleness. But for someone else, they can read it and you know, this is for them an act of violence, right? Yeah. And so we're just trying to think about, you know, there are,、um, you know. Uh, acts that we can 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 categorize as gentle. There are acts that we can categorize as violent, and then there is also acts where violence and and gentleness can actually coexist. Absolutely.、Um, yeah, and so we bring all these artists together, and 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 hope that you know、um, their works can also be a, a starting point for some of the viewers to come in and think about their own positionality. Um, and you know what does it mean to be in a city that's changing?、Uh, what happens when they come upon these frictions?、Um, and then how do we move forward with so many changes, right? Yeah.、Um, yeah. Well, that's fantastic to hear about. Gosh, I wish I had like an entire program just to talk to you about that exhibition. <laughs> knowing more about it, that sounds really fantastic.、Um, but in the interest of maybe looking at a couple of the others, I was wondering、mm-hmm. about、um, the exhibition, a bee in sensory exhibition, which, as I understand it, is incorporating like sound and tactile vibration sensation into、yes. itself. I was wondering, was this a new foray for the gallery, or like how did you work with the artist? To install a piece like this, so、um, I, so we actually so like I said, there's besides the gentle disruption、um, exhibition,、so、there's three other artists、um, that's also、uh, sharing the space. So outside in the、um, the 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 garden, we have Jill Price's、uh, piece from unsettling to unmaking,、uh, where she wrote her、uh, thesis by hand on seed paper that she made and planted it. Um, and then on the feature wall, we have Scrapenies on Peculiar Limbs by Alicia Ferry,、uh, 
um, a recent graduate at, um, at, at a Queen's um, Fine Arts program. And um, the, the installation that you're talking about specifically is a Bee Encounter by um, Elaine Chandao. And um, so Elaine, I, I love this work. It's a very sensory based work. Um, Elaine was, uh, was already building the platform in Toronto. And so she just brought the platform and, and installed it within a day um, at the gallery. Um, and I think it's, um, you know, she's pulling a lot from traditional Chinese practices or medicinal practices, um, like, um, you know, ideas about the meridian and so it's really just kind of like this gentle disruption to our bodies. Um, yeah. And in a way, um, you know, it's a healing process, right? Yeah. Um, and it even reminds me of a lot of like even um, other practices like cupping, or I think there's a lot now in educational institutions, especially younger, like high school, where we're teaching kids to tap, right? That yeah. idea of tapping, right? I think there's something about disrupting certain sensory notes on our body um, that kind of alleviates anxiety, um, you know. And so, yeah, I think we, when we're talking about sharing the space around with the other artists, we're also looking for artists whose practice are very um, you know, that idea of gentle disruption is very embedded in their in their work. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As, as, as you continue to talk about these works, I can definitely see kind of all the interrelatedness like kind of coming into focus thematically. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. Yeah, that's so, yeah, that's so fascinating. So talking about yourself and Alicia and Jill, as I understand it, and I'm, I'm sure yeah. a lot more folks involved with this, they are all, um, you know, Queen's students, Queen's alum, or a lot of them are at least. Um, so would you say that there's something unique about the way that the Union Gallery and the programming that you folks are putting on are interacting with the university and its community? Well, I think uh, I also want to mention that in this particular exhibition, we also have local artists. Yeah. So we try to, um, because it, we, we, I think that it's enriching, you know, experience for uh, student, alumni, um, and practicing artists to come together and work together. For sure. Um, because they have so much, you know, there's so much to share with one another. Um, I think um, when I first uh, was brought on to Union Gallery, I was told that um, like Union Gallery itself has a mandate, which is to serve uh, the student body at, um, at, at Queen's University. Right. Um, but in a sense, it's also situated on this land and it has to interact with other communities around it, right? Absolutely. So I think that sometimes when we look at a workspace, and we look at especially art workspace and exhibition space, um, you know, you can get tunnel vision in terms of the work that you need to do and you kind of forget about all the things that are taking care of you and that you also have a responsibility to take care of. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're also trying to reach out um, to other communities. Uh, we're, you know, we're reaching out to, um, like what we talked about was that for this particular exhibition, we also brought the sight line down lower because okay. we want it to be friendly to a younger audience. 
yeah. And so、uh, we also have a day where the Kingston,、uh, the Kingston Senior、uh, Region is going to come and do a、um, you know a yoga session、oh, in the space.、Really cool. And yeah, and so they can use the space however they see fit.、Um, so like we're trying to interact with the、uh, community more. And you know, it's not really not just a space for students. It's a space for other artists. It's a space for community discussion. It's a space for bringing conflicts in, and not necessarily we don't have to even address it, but it can live there, right?、Yeah. Until we can address it.、Um, but we want to be open to all of these ideas. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's just a really kind of fascinating note to end off on. Well, thank you so much for being here, Vince. Listeners, the summer programming at the Union Gallery runs from now until August fifth, located inside of Stauffer Library. And for more information on all of the exhibitions we discussed today, as well as to find hours and programming, you can visit UnionGallery.QueensU.ca. And best of luck throughout the summer to yourself and to the team, Vince. Thank you so much, Lauren, for inviting me. For today's live music lineup, I'll be headlining some performances you can catch starting tonight, July seventh, until Wednesday, July twelfth, from amazing artists like Emily Triggs, Hat Trick, Jen Calder, Clear Breeze, and Savage Family Band. Stay tuned because you don't want to miss these details. Tonight, July seventh, Hotel Wolf Island is pleased to welcome Emily Triggs back to the stage from seven to ten p.m. at twelve thirty-seven County Road ninety-six. Emily is a boundary-breaking roots artist who uses sounds like Texas blues to redefine the folk genre. Joining her is Canadian alternative indie legend John Bora for his first ever performance. At the hotel, you can see both artists for free. But don't forget to visit whyferry.ca and that's wiferry.ca to check Wolf Island ferry times before heading out. Tomorrow, July 8th, Hat Trick presents their show titled "British Invasion" from 8 to 11 p.m. at the Royal Canadian Horse Artillery Club, located at 193 Ontario Street. This classic rock and country cover band have been around for years and are bringing you all your favorite across the pond favorites, from the Beatles to the Kinks and more. You can purchase your tickets for $10 at the door and find more information online at kingstonlive.com. Ca. Also happening tomorrow, July 8th, Jen Calder is live from 8 to 11 p.m. at Musicy, located at 73 Brock Street. The local singer-songwriter is playing with special guest alternative indie soloist Gerald McGrath. You can watch their show for free on the prettiest patio in town and find more information on KingstonLive.ca. Next Wednesday, July 12th. Clear Breeze hosts Jazz Night from 7 p.m. at the Royal Canadian Horse Artillery Club, located at 193 Ontario Street. Come join David Rapoport, Glenn Tooth, Brian Howell, and Jerry Mercer for instrumental and groove-oriented jazz that sounds fresh as a clear breeze. Tickets are only five dollars for non-members, and you can purchase yours at the door. For more information about this show, please visit KingstonLive.ca. Your last live music feature is brought to you by Savage Family Band, who are live next Wednesday, July 12th, from 7 to 10 p.m. at Spearhead Brewing Company, located at 675. Element Drive. Savage Family Band is led by local music legend Tom Savage, whose lyrical truth-telling, guitar slinging, and vocal range have made him known as a triple threat in the industry. You can catch Savage Family Band for free and find more information online at KingstonLive.ca. That's all I've got for you on live music lineup on this week's episode of Kingston Curator. But keep on listening because we've got more coming up next.
I'm here with Devin from Moffat Avenue who's calling in on Zoom to talk about his band and their summer tour across Ontario. Based out of London, Moffat Avenue is a pop-punk band here to show you how to party with catchy and meaningful songs found in their newly released EP, Welcome to the Party, and in various singles. So today I'm here with Devin Mallon from the band Moffat Avenue. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I want to start with a bit of background about your band. I saw that roughly your band formed back in the summer of 20. 21 is that correct that is right yeah so me and phil uh our singer we were in a band like way back in high school right and we kind of lost touch after we graduated as it goes and then here we are about 10 years later we're both in our late 20s now and we just reconnected then and uh, i was like obviously uh mid-pandemic we're all bored at home so i started just like writing songs for the first time ever and then i knew like our history together like we always worked well together so you know i rang him up and then we started writing songs in my backyard drinking beers doing you know the thing but yeah, then we've got our drummer recruited and then we've been through a couple bass players. You know, it's hard to find people that are committed to doing the thing because it is a lot of time and work. So yeah, to make a long story short, uh, summer 2021, yeah. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, it is a lot of time, effort, and commitment. That's really cool that like that you knew Phil for like such a long time and then like all of a sudden you just started getting to writing songs and then like you guys were able to connect and then like find other people. Like, sorry, I don't know the other people um, in your yeah, band's names. Okay. Uh, drummer's <laughs> Bender and our uh, bass player's name is Glizzy right now. Okay. So is it kind of like, so you knew Phil obviously like way beforehand and then yeah. did you guys kind of meet like within the same circle or is it more just like you stumbled upon each other and then like that's when you guys decided to form your band together? Yeah, so like I work with Fender's wife and she okay. says, oh, my husband plays drums. And I was like, oh, that's awfully convenient because I'm looking for a drummer. <laughs> when you know. And then, yeah, and then he came over one day and just clicked instantly. Then, yeah, so then we had me, Bender, and Philip as the core three. And then Lizzie just came along uh, last November, I believe. So he's been in for a little while. He's been in longer than anyone else so far. Yeah, that's great. So my next question is about the music that you guys have made together. So I took a listen to your EP, Welcome to the Party, and I noticed that your band's name, which is Moffat Avenue, is brought up as an important place in your song, Brighter Days, from this EP. So I wanted to know, what does the name Moffat Avenue mean for your band, either like as a place, like an actual place, or just individually, like for, for you guys? Like, what does that name signify? Yeah, so that's actually where... I was living at the time in London, uh, East London. There's a street, Moffat Avenue. That's where me and Phil wrote the bulk of the songs, and we, that's where we got our start. I actually lived at 1719 Moffat Avenue. We kind of doxed ourselves through this <laughs> album, but <laughs> just a little bit. It's whatever. Come hang out. You know. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> okay, so it's like Moffat Avenue is a real place, but um, like also kind of where you guys had gotten your start. So it's like that's why you'd chosen to use that name. Exactly. Coming up with a band name is not easy. I can imagine not. That is really interesting. So speaking about Moffat Avenue, like as a band in particular rather than a place, I noticed that on your Facebook page, you guys have written a list online of like how you've wanted to progress together throughout the years. So yeah. I think that there are three or four things on the list. I won't go off of everything, but it would include things like releasing your EP and playing for fans outside of the city of London, which is where you're based from. And it really seems like you guys have like been building up those blocks quite steadily and it's been going really well. So I wanted to ask, how has the journey been for you getting to this point where you're actually being able to play songs for people outside of London and being able to create new kinds of music? Yeah, like it's been pretty fun 
fun ride i gotta admit like i've never been in a band that's been this serious like i've been playing in bands since i was 13 and this is the first time i've actually ever been inside a studio you know design merch had to like network with people outside of my own personal bubble so it's been a big learning curve for sure on how to manage this type of thing and yeah it's been nothing but good times really yeah and if this is the first band that you've actually been able to like go with professionally and like advance somewhere like and achieve those goals that must mean a lot to you oh for sure like it's something i've always dreamed about since i was you know a little boy wanted to be a rock star but now you're realizing it yeah yeah working on it for yeah sure. for sure it. but it sounds like the way that you guys have been progressing like especially for you know what you can consider to be a short ish amount of time like it really seems like the progression obviously I, I i'm assuming it wouldn't be without struggles or things that get in the way but it has really seemed like quite a linear sort of journey that yeah you guys like have been on. it's been i hate to say it's been fairly easy but <laughs> it has been other the only big hurdle that we've had is finding a consistent working bass player that is willing to work with us because like our tour schedule is very busy and not everyone like has that kind of time especially to commit to like learning new songs learning the whole catalog you know practice all that stuff and what's nice about our new guy uh, Lizzie, he does our recordings for us now too so we kind of get a little added bonus with that oh yeah that's great yeah so our next dp is going to be all his work be on the lookout so on the note about um touring outside of london you're obviously coming here to kingston this friday which is really exciting i wanted to ask um how has your touring experience been so far you know being outside of where you're based in in london and what are you looking forward to going forward as you play in um, other different venues like in kingston yeah so we had a, a small spring tour earlier this year and it came together very like very nicely lots of good turnout windsor was one of the best shows that we had played we played a, a bar called meteor there sweet venue yeah i don't know touring's great i love playing shows and i'll play anywhere that'll have us whether i'm playing to uh bartenders or people that are there you know yeah just anywhere kind of exactly yeah that makes sense that's cool like kind of taking the opportunity when you can get it and then like giving a great show from that for sure for sure and just to be able to share my band with people and we've got nothing but positive reception everywhere we go so i mean that's gotta mean something I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I've talked to people before, and they've said that one of their favorite parts about going on tour is like when they go to a um, when they go to their concert or their show, they can see like the crowd singing back their lyrics and like really enjoying the kind of vibes that are being put on by like your group or like their group, you know, things like that. Yeah, for sure, it's a real trip. Like when you go to like a different city. Like when we went to Windsor, we had never played there before, but there was a few people that didn't know some words to some of our songs. So that means whatever, like you know, promotion we're doing, they're checking it out and seeing hey we're coming to town I should check them out and they do when they come and like that's I mean what more can you ask for yeah exactly <laughs> so speaking about people knowing like kind of what you guys do and like on your tour and like for your music and things like that you just mentioned that you've got an EP coming out so I wanted to know what's next on your project list that you're going to be aiming to check off all right so yeah obviously we're in the checking off our dates on our tour calendar right now but on the side we are doing a ep we got five songs being recorded we're going to upload a single on friday so it'll be ready for release two weeks from then oh that's exciting yeah so that'll be our first release since i don't know march i think so that's good we did a live stream yesterday through a, a recording school in london here we just threw it up on youtube what else we got going on that's pretty much it and just continuing to write our songs and try to make them better and better every time yeah that's the goal is to get the next one be better than the last right so i mean yeah like especially since your group is like even though like it's kind of been a little bit fluid with the bass player it's like 
overall like you guys are like a solid group moving forward in your musical career so it's just like everything that you put out like doing it together it's like the next step forward with everything that you create sort of that's kind of how yeah, it comes across sure. and it's like a first for all of us involved too like none of us have really been in a band that's been this serious too so it's you know we're all doing this journey at the same pace at the same time it's really cool yeah i can imagine so this has been devin mallon from the band moffat avenue thank you so much for stopping by to talk with me i really appreciate your time and good luck at your show hey thanks so much i hope to see you out there yeah for sure thank you so much again to devin from moffat avenue for hopping on zoom to talk with me about his band and their summer tour on the note about our summer tour, you can catch Moffat Avenue here in the city tonight from 9pm till 12am at the mansion, located at 506 Princess Street. Tickets are $10 in advance at eventbrite.com and that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com or for $15 at the door, which opens at 8pm. To hear more from Moffat Avenue, you can stream their music on Apple Music and Spotify by searching Moffat Avenue or find them on Bandcamp at moffatavenue.bandcamp.com. You can also keep up to date with Moffat Avenue on Instagram at moffat underscore avenue TikTok at Moffat Avenue Official, and Facebook by searching Moffat Avenue. For all searches mentioned, Moffat Avenue is spelled M-O-F-F-A-T-T Avenue. Now stay tuned because we've got more for you coming up next. Today, I'm here with one of Kingston's staple party bands, The Change. The Change is a classic rock cover band that's been in the industry since the 1990s, known for delivering danceable hits from across the decades. They take great pride in their professionalism and musicianship, which is marked in part by their guitar-driven and Hammond organ sound, as well as their expertly crafted harmony vocals. Band members Julia Moore and Barry Fawcett have come in to talk about their band and show that happened on Friday, June 30th at the Royal Canadian Horse Artillery Club. So today I am here with Julia Moore and Barry Fawcett from The Change, and I want to thank you so much for being here to talk with me today. I wanted to start by knowing a bit more about how your band was formed. So did you guys have your own careers individually outside of the band before it was formed? And why did you decide to come together as a group? Uh, the band was formed in 1993, and I'm the only original member left in the band from 1993 and it was a uh, leftover band from a band prior to that that we decided to get they, together called Five Night Guys with another bunch of guys and then we formed that band and it went for about two years and then it had a hiatus for about six months and then we just started up again with another group of guys and we just kept going and going and all total there has been approximately 24 members in this band wow. over in 30 years. This would be the 30th year of the band. And this particular lineup here has been together for six years. Two of us have been together for 20 years, and the other two have been in for 17 years. So the musicians that stand behind Julia have been together since 2006, which is the longest period that we've had the same members of any time. I'm losing count, but uh, yeah, I'm the baby in the group, and <laughs> I was so honored when I was asked to audition for the band, and they liked me, and I'm the first girl they've had in the band. And they, they welcomed me with with open arms and actually found uh, themselves quite interested in, in learning some new songs that were female songs. So I thought that was really exciting that they were willing to be flexible and, and open-minded. So it's been great. Julia actually sang with my son's band back in the early 2000s and when our two lead singers in 2006 decided to retire at the same time, I was talking to another friend of ours, Kenny Hall, and he'd mentioned Julia's name and 
I thought, oh, so I give her a call, and here we are. Now we got the change. <laughs> yep. Well, the current version of the, the change. That's right. Many other versions. <laughs> Keeps changing. <laughs> Is that where the name comes from? The name came from a change of the music that we did. One of the early guys, uh, Dan McCarthy, was a keyboard player. We were trying to find a name, and he said, well, we'll call ourselves the change, because all our music changes all the time. We we don't follow one gender. We'll do blues, rock, country, you know, we whatever puts people on the dance floor. Right, exactly. <laughs> and whatever people like. You know, so you kind of cater to everybody in the audience. Audience, right. sort of, you know, because you're not you're not going to get a, a whole group that likes country, whole group that likes blues, or a whole group that likes rock. You're going to get a mixture of everybody, so it's a little bit okay, so. Hence the name, the change. So on the note of music, I wanted to know: Are you mostly like a live band? Yeah, we're just a live band. We don't have any recordings because we don't have any original music, right. and we are just a cover band. But we focus on um, being a party band that gives a variety of live music with a focus on getting the people on the dance floor. And just like Barry said, we have a little taste of everything so that everyone's going to enjoy something that night. Yeah. We've always talked about maybe having somebody record us live, but it's never, <laughs> we never got around. <laughs> It. Oh, you know, for some, because none of us are too handy with recorders and stuff like that. Yeah, I like the note that you made about catering to the crowd, like wanting to be able to get people moving on the dance floor and like listening to the feedback you get and like seeing what people like and how you can yep. make them like enjoy your show even more than they already do. Entertainment right. is a big part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> to entertain the people that they want to come back and see us again. Exactly. Or go, or go to where we're at, so to speak, you know. And because of that, we do have a following. We have a dependable set of songs that people come to listen to. And I think if we didn't do one or two of the songs, they would be upset. We hear about it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Strongly worded email. Yes. So. Julia does a great version of Love on the Brain by Rihanna. And we didn't do that one show, and we heard about it at the end of the show. (laughs) He didn't play the song I wanted. About that, I wanted to know, what do you think makes your style of song covers unique? And more specifically, what do you think has made your band's covers of popular classic songs resonate with your fans for so long? Because they know them, which is, uh, like I say, I was saying earlier, a lot of people, if they can't recognize a song within the first three or four or five notes, then they say, oh, I don't know that song, they won't dance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to believe, but that is the truth. Yep. <laughs> if they don't know the song, they will not dance to it. Doesn't matter how good you play it, and like that, it's just, it's not, they can't, and then you play, you'll play something like, we do Satisfaction, packs the dance floor. I was telling you earlier, Mustang Sally, we do funky music. Guaranteed riffs sprayed off the hop, people jumping up the group going to the dance floor. I guess it's just because familiarity and they feel comfortable. And some people dance to the newer songs, but we, like I was saying earlier, we have spent time working on several songs in, that, in the not too distant past yeah. that were just dive bombers. Yeah, people, <laughs> they were familiar songs, but they didn't dance to it. So you thought, okay. Yep. This one, chuck it. One thing I do want to mention is we strive to do the songs as authentic the original, to authentic the to the yeah to the original. I think we have a fuller sound because we do have four vocals a lot of the times doing the harmonies. I don't think there are many bands that have that many people offering harmonies, and so that makes gives us a very full sound. But uh, the only with respect to uniqueness, the only song I can think of that we do add something to is "Give Me Some Loving." Yeah. And they actually have blended another song in the middle of it, which is like, I love it so much that I always get on the dance floor with everybody else dancing to it because yeah. I love it so much. And they all think it's crazy. She just left the dance floor. And, <laughs> and then sometimes I don't get back up on stage and I just continue singing down there. She has with a wireless mic so she can go anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a 
it's a you know showmanship so to speak thing going on it seems like you have you heavily emphasize like the experience of the crowd like you want people to move like you want people to feel good and to be able to enjoy the music that you play and that is a very unique feature that you have four featured vocals on there and to be able to blend those together well to create that like rich full sound that's something definitely very unique about your band i mean there are other bands that can do that type of stuff but they seem to be the, of the vintage years we've always received uh, accolades for the fact that we still do that because it's not easy i mean it's something we do really work at and make sure that uh, we make sure it's nice and tight every single time even if there are other bands that do have that it, like you said already it's not something that's very common anymore so it's good that there are some other people that do the same but also it does make you stand out in a very positive way like from other types of bands so this is a little bit of a shift i know that this interview is going to air retrospectively but i did want to ask before you head into your show what you're most looking forward to like what are your favorite aspects of being able to perform well my favorite thing is seeing familiar faces that we have so many repeat customers or our audience and um, big smiles on their faces uh, lets us know that we're doing what they want. Um, seeing the dance floor get filled repeatedly, it just makes us feel as though we are that reliable band that they can come and they know they're gonna have a good time. They already know us. And uh, and then it's nice to see new faces. Uh, I was gonna say that. The new faces <laughs> smiling, and when they're smiling and they're moving to the music, it tells me, I think we're gonna see them again. So that's, it's always exciting. There was um, a time when we were playing uh, downtown um, and there was uh, a younger group that would come in. And at first we thought, well, maybe we're not playing their era of music, but I can't, I, I always remember that I had people approach me and say, man, I was born in the wrong generation. I love this stuff. And it was great seeing people in their 20s that were just right getting into it, just loved it. They grew up listening to that music to mom and dad. Yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or, or grandma and grandpa, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Not exactly. So they, uh, you know, to see actually people actually doing it on stage, they instant recognized and packed the dance floor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I know um, for, for me, my parents um, were a big influence on, like, what I grew up listening to as well so the fact that you can like kind of bring people who are around my age like you know towards that like they grew up with these kinds of things they can recognize it and then when they go to see you it's like oh yeah like this is good like I want to I want to move to this because you're bringing them yeah. that like you know that feeling that the song is supposed to give yeah we are we are dotting our, our repertoire with a few of the um songs from the last decade so it's, yep. we are trying to offer a variety so speaking of shows again do you have any other upcoming performances that people can catch you at the next show that we have that isn't a private show is i think uh, august the 19th at uh, 560 legion yeah but we have a couple of private shows which people should know that they can reach us through the change kingston uh, on the facebook page and directly message barry for a quote for a private party um, or they can also find us on Gig Salad. Yeah, that's really good to know that pe um, that people can um, book you in case like you're not like booked for like a venue. Then they can also like take a listen and like uh, enjoy your music at like their own private setting. Too. Oh yeah, and having a private party with a live band just uh, kicks it up a notch. You yeah. Know? Instead of having you know a DJ music, it's just uh, it's just it really gets the crowd to interact and the party just. The, the party itself becomes more live, if you know what I mean. Makes no, it yeah. different. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I can imagine it have like a different feel because this is a more like personalized experience. Well, I mean, the other thing is it's a show, so exactly. you're not just listening to music, but you have something to watch. So those are all the questions that I had for you today. 
Um, I really appreciate that you came in to talk to me, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. This thank was you a great us. opportunity. Yeah. No, this is great. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that you were able to come in. Thank you so much again to Julia Moore and Barry Fawcett from The Change for stopping by the station to talk with me about their band and their show that happened on Friday, June 30th at the Royal Canadian Horse Artillery Club. To keep up to date with The Change and their upcoming shows, make sure to add them on Facebook by searching for The Change Kingston. If you're interested in booking a show or private party with The Change, you can message them directly on Facebook Messenger with the username stated or visit their booking site at gigsalad.com. Now don't touch that dial because we've got more for you coming up next. Today, Jonah McLean from Jonah McLean and the Gimmicks calls in on Zoom to discuss his career in music, his band, and their upcoming show tomorrow night. Jonah is a singer-songwriter from Workworth, Ontario, whose music combines feelings of passion, pain, and pleasure into a melting pot of emotions. His band, Jonah McLean and the Gimmicks, is a recent creation returning from hiatus to get you grooving all summer long, playing original and cover hits at their second home, Tiernanog Irish Pub. Okay, so today I have Jonah McLean with me from Jonah McLean and the Gimmicks. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mary. This is fantastic. Yeah, thanks for coming in. So I wanted to start off with a bit about you and your band, yep. like some background information. So the first sure. question that I have for you is what first drew you into establishing your career in music for yourself? Because I noticed that um, when I was looking up information about you guys, you have like a solo career on your own and then you have um, what looks like this is a new project, Jordan McLean and the Gimmick. So I want to know like how yeah. your first like you first got involved yourself. Yeah, so it just started out as me probably, well, just after the pandemic. I, I really have only been doing this since end of 2018, early 2019, and got a little bit in. And then of course, as the world would be, the whole shutdown happened. It wasn't a great time to be, you know, somebody trying to be out in the world, obviously, because it got shut down. But yeah, so right after the pandemic, I started trying to get myself back out there again as a soloist. I went to anything I could really, open mics, whatever. And through that, had a couple of great opportunities for gigs and stuff on my own and then out of that you know just kind of met some people along the way it actually started as me me and another guy played as a duo and then I did this Sunday morning gig at a church actually um, met my keyboard player again just very by chance and then we started off by playing as a trio and then I didn't actually debut the band until last September we played a little like a small little festival just outside Hastings, actually, which is probably 10 minutes from where I live here in Workworth. Yeah, we debuted as a band there. We were one of the opening acts for Ron Sexsmith, Casey and Clayton and the Sadies. And that's kind of where we all started. So how you kind of begin in music, I've spoken with other artists who've had similar experiences where despite those circumstances that we were facing, they were able to kind of put more time into being musicians and taking their careers up to the next level. So it's interesting that like you started out like in 2018 and then you kind of met everyone that you formed your band with sort of by chance. Like most people that I've met like it's like they've known people for years or they've known each other within a similar circle so I think it's really cool that you like formed together because of the shared interest that you had and like the music that you play yeah well I to be honest like I over the pandemic I more or less focused on just writing songs and how I could get better and that was really all I did because I couldn't get out there and I really do thrive playing live that's one of the greatest joys that I take out of this so after that was all said and done here we are almost a year and a bit later so currently are you working both as a solo artist and 
within your band or is it like the main focus is the band right now? So yeah, I still play gigs on my own, but I'm really trying to focus on pushing this band forward and then we'll release an EP in, in October and we'll go from there. Oh, that's so cool. So I wanted to know like within your band, I noticed that on your yep. YouTube page, like you do have like a cover and then you mentioned just now that you're going to be releasing an EP. So what's yeah. the focus of your band? Is it more like your originals or is it kind of a mix of both? It depends what type of gig it is. Like the bar gigs, we'll play covers that we like playing that are fun to play, but we also play all of the originals. So we have we have a f actually a full set of originals, 10 songs. So that's really the focus. And it is it is nice to, to play a gig for like an opening slot or even for half an hour where we can play all of our songs, which is a lot of fun. But yeah, there's still covers. Over the course of this project, we've also sort of accumulated some signature covers or maybe songs that we've kind of taken and make, made our own and turned them upside down, which we think are pretty cool. No, that is cool. I know you're not a cover band, but I've talked to cover bands and then some of them mm -hmm. like to take their own spin on things where they'll take like a classic hit that everybody knows and then they'll yeah. turn it into something that like it's uniquely their own. So it's interesting that you guys like to do that too when you perform live. Yeah, even songs that are like not, not even classic hits per se, but like we've taken a Stevie Wonder tune called Have a Talk with God and sort of made that our own. It's like a, a funky, upbeat sort of thing. And then there's a Neil Young song, Down by the River, which is sort of close to the original, but sort of not. It's an experience in itself. That sounds really cool. So on the note about live shows, you've got a live show coming up this Saturday, which is really exciting. Yes. And based off of the internet sleuthing that I did, I noticed that you described the venue that you're playing at, which is Tiernanog, kind of as like yeah. your second home. And I wanted yeah. to know what kind of sets this venue apart from other ones that you've played at live. Uh, well, when this band first got going, I sent out because we thought, well, geez, we got to we got to take this momentum that we've gained from this show and move it forward, uh, which was hard to do. Like when you're a fairly unknown or local ish, like our keyboard player goes to Queens, which is nice so during their academic year. It's a fantastic little uh, built in crowd yeah. but when you're not from King it's tough for a, a bar to say, yeah, we'll take a chance on you. So when I was emailing places back in like October, November, just after our first gig we played, wondering if we could have an opportunity, Nadra at the Tiernanog was one of the first ones to get back to us and say, yeah, we'll take a chance on you. Let's let's do it. Uh, so we first played there in March and then this will be our third show there in the, just in the last couple of months. It's always one of those things where, you know, you remember things like that where people say, yeah, we'll take a chance on you and, and see how it goes. And fortunately, they keep having us back and we hope to uh, continue to go back there because we love the place it's a fantastic vibe and people are great that's really nice like that you've been able to kind of build that relationship with somebody like where they gave you a chance to be able to like perform live and it's worked out well for both parties you know like you've maintained that connection with them yeah. and it's working out for both you know groups yeah, that's why I say in some of the posts, our second home, the Tiernanog, which is, I should put that on a t-shirt, actually. Um, <laughs> True, the rhyme. <laughs> so about your live show specifically, I wanted to know uh -huh. what you and your bandmates have got in store for your fans at your show. So if you want to like kind of tease a set list or like say what kind of mood you want to set. So if it's more like of a hype sort of thing or if it's more just gonna be like chilled out like calm sort of playing oh it's uh it starts off pretty i don't want to say relaxed but you know we play a few covers to start that are like rocky a little bit sensibly and then we get into it with all our own songs we have a full set of original tunes which will probably start around 10 o'clock or so you can stop by and see uh, all our original songs and then for the last set we just like to have fun with it just some straight rock and roll cool songs some bob seeger steely dan the band neil young which 
which is kind of what our vibe anyways like some great grooves killer solos just some great tunes yeah that sounds so exciting and it goes back to like what you would mentioned earlier like when you perform live with your band you guys like to do like a mix of covers and then you also like to include your originals too so i like how you've kind of like spread everything out like it really sounds like it's been built up really well yeah well it's a bit of a journey which is which is the fun part of it you know you can't just slap people in the face right away you gotta you gotta bring them in and say oh that's we'll stay for that and then you know you keep going and then we finish with some fun yeah that's gonna be a good time yeah okay i've got one last question for you so earlier you'd mentioned that you're gonna be releasing an ep in october that's that's super exciting so i wanted to know what's next for you and your band so you mentioned your ep but are you going to be releasing any singles leading up to that or do you have any more upcoming live shows that people can catch you at we're probably going to release like one of the songs that sort of it's it still fits but it kind of stands alone uh so we'll probably release a single before we release the ep and we'll play this at our live show too and then we're going to take a little bit of a break like i said after this saturday to focus on recording we got a couple of house concerts coming up in august and then depending on where we're at with the recording process we'll probably either keep at it or try to add a few shows which will all culminate to uh, sort of once the ep is out a sort of a nice little uh, release party somewhere wherever wherever that may be it's still up in the air yeah that's that's sort of the plan right now and uh, but you know things are always fluid so things may change they they may not i'm, I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a solid plan though like for the rest of the summer what you guys have got going on like obviously focusing on recording main priority for releasing your ep and things like that but it's nice that you'll have potentially some like live shows sprinkled throughout but also exciting album party that's gonna be really really cool even yeah if it's, yeah that's yeah. gonna be so cool yeah, yeah no that'll that'll be good like i said the the recording and getting stuff out there right now is the main focus uh, for all of us uh we were actually fortunate enough to receive a uh, a small grant from the Ontario Arts Council um, last year for recording and uh, getting the project out there so we have to do our due diligence in 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 finishing that which is also you know it's good it gives you it gives you a deadline and gives you something to uh, to focus on and again we're forever grateful to the Ontario Arts Council for that yeah for sure I mean congratulations that's that's amazing yeah thank you so much yeah for sure thank you so much so this has been Jonah McLean from Jonah McLean and the gimmicks I wanted to thank you so much for stopping by on zoom to talk with me today i really appreciate it oh thanks for having me mary this has been a real pleasure thank you so much again to jonah mclean from jonah mclean and the gimmicks for coming on zoom to talk about his music career his band and their upcoming show you can catch jonah mclean and the gimmicks live tomorrow july 8th from 9 p.m to midnight at tiernanog located at 200 ontario street you can find more from jonah mclean and the gimmicks on instagram at jonah mclean and the gimmicks on facebook by searching for jonah mclean and the gimmicks and on youtube at jonah mclean the gimmicks 677 and that's J-O-N-A-M-C-L-E-A-N followed by the G-I-M-M-I-C-K-S for all searches. Now keep on listening because we've got more for you coming up next. Thanks so much, Mary. We've got one final interview coming up for you this week with co-host of the upcoming True Stories at Hotel Wolf Island event running tonight and Sunday afternoon. Inspired by the Moth Radio Hour programming, Ed Gavigan and co-host Ophira Eisenberg will be hosting true spoken word stories in the spirit of storytelling and gathering. CFRC sat down to chat with Ed about just that, so take a listen. To start off, this is an event that, as I understand it, is sort of in the spirit of the Moth Radio Hour program that you have been on before, many times before, as I understand it. And I think it may be well known to some of our listeners, but just to give folks the rundown who may be less familiar, what is the event this weekend going to look like and what kind of has gone into making it what it is? 
Well, I was invited by a dear friend, uh, Chris Brown, who has been working with the hotel, uh, booking different guests, I think uh, predominantly musical guests, um, singers and um, groups. And uh, when we spoke, he thought it would be uh, interesting and a bit of a change up to have a storytelling evening. And he knew that I had been doing uh, storytelling with the moth um, for probably 12 years now, where, which is where I met Ophira, who is Canadian, and she had a um, show on NPR here in New York. Um, <clears throat> but the two of us have been on the Moth uh, stage together, and then we've done um, uh, the podcast and also the radio hour. And we thought the uh, kind of the appeal and the fun that we've had doing that um she's a really great host um she's really good with the crowd and um you know kind of moving things along from step to step and i'm just more of a storyteller but i said if we can get the two of us up there and then as part of what always makes the moth uh experience in in our past years very special is inviting a member of the audience up onto the stage and they get to tell a true story from their life, um, which part of what motivated the moth um, experience is that you have to tell a true story. It has to be from your life and you don't have any notes. You don't get to read anything. You don't have music or accompaniment or props. It's just you and a microphone and the audience. And so that is both intimate and, um, you know, sometimes for the performers who aren't uh, stage people necessarily, who are, you know, just telling a true story from their life, um, it can be a little intimidating or you have a little stage fright, but then you find that the audience is just uh, really ready and eager to hear a true story. And it's short, you know, we keep it about six or seven minutes. So even if the story is not quite as compelling as you'd like, um, it's it's still just a manageable uh, length. I was wondering, so I think that spoken word programs are something that these days is not always regarded with the same level of impact that other auditory mediums have, especially when we're living in this age where snappy punchlines and hooks will really do the trick as far as entertainment goes. So for you, what do you think is the impact of hosting this kind of intimate event with a group of people and keeping this spirit of storytelling alive in a longer form? Well, I think that... Um you know, the shorter, snappier format is really um, screen-based right. in a way. You know, people are so used to getting their interactions through their phone or their laptop. And the amazing thing, uh, especially for a, a storyteller, is to have an audience there in person. Like you can feel the rustling of the crowd and you can hear like an audible gasp if you tell a, a scary or, or an intense party or, or the audience will laugh together at funny things and it's really um there's an interaction there that's not just you and a flat piece of glass and and pixels and i think the audience ends up getting just as much kind of support and um and engagement as the performer does 
And even when it's an intimate setting, you know, maybe only 20 people or so, there's still a bond that happens. And then when you get to like a hundred people, um, it's just really great things can happen in, in terms of um, being a very lively way to spend an hour of your time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really I, I agree with that about having the kind of physical connection with the people that are there. I feel like that is maybe a really wonderful thing that we have been lucky enough to get back to after being away from it, you know, for uh, for a few years because of the pandemic and that sort of thing. So interesting to get back in touch um, that way. So Obviously, you'll be hosting this event and you've been on um, the Moth Radio Hour program before. When you're preparing a story to tell at an event like this, what sort of factors do you personally consider in putting it together? Well, I find um, I had a, a, a rather interesting childhood in that my father was in the military. So we moved every couple of years from one military base to the next. So I never really um got to make the kind of friends that um as i as i grew up and met people they were still in touch with you know friends from grade school or from early life and i just never had that um so i find that some of my kind of uh tales of moving around and those experiences of always being the odd kid um i people just uh it, it's an unusual uh, childhood. So I tell stories from some of those things that happen and, and some of them are quite uh, funny and some of them are a little, <laughs> you know, um, not necessarily sad, but you can empathize with the poor kid who shows up mid-semester in a school where he doesn't know anyone and, yeah. and you know, uh, it goes from there. So I try and, and then also living in New York, um, there's so many people here doing so many things at the same time and close quarters that you just end up with incredible stories of things that you would never have happen elsewhere just because the, the intensity of life and in, in the Big Apple. So yeah. I have some stories from things that have happened to me in New York that people have enjoyed just because there's no way those stories would ever happen outside of of Manhattan in the same way so <laughs> yeah well I think the the thing that we try and uh, ask of the of the audience member is to have it be true and to have it be something I think that they've uh that they've already processed in a way right so it's like you you don't want to be necessarily talking about the terrible car accident that you were in uh last month because sometimes you know, when you're on stage and you're trying to relate these intense um, episodes, you you can get a little bit overwhelmed. So right. it's sometimes better to have the story be something that you're you're telling as if you're telling it around a campfire to a bunch of friends. That's that's kind of our way to think about it. And it can be scary and intense, or you know, terrifying or uh, uplifting, whatever it is. But it should be the kind of thing you know we'll we'll tell the audience and Ophira is really good at this we tell the audience in the beginning we're going to pick someone out of the hat so maybe just in your head think of a couple of stories that you might want to tell that you can that have a beginning and a middle and an end and that you can condense into six or seven minutes so it's not 
you know, it doesn't get long-winded and, um, you know, with, with six or seven minutes, you can still develop, um, the plot as it were with the, the beginning, the middle and the end. That's kind of, you know, you want to have the story have an arc. So we yeah. would tell people to think of, um, something from their life and, uh, that they would like to share. And, um, usually it's, uh, a lot of people put their name in the hat for us for us to pull. Oh, that's wonderful. Name out. Yeah. It's really great to hear that folks feel comfortable in that sort of setting to kind of step forward and, and try their hand at that. That sounds like something that's really special. Um, I'm really excited to see where this event goes for you this weekend. And I think we will maybe end it off on that, looking forward to this event. So thank you so much for being here, Ed. Uh, listeners, the True Stories event at the Hotel Wolf Island runs tonight at 7 p.m. and Sunday, July 9th at 3 p.m. at Hotel Wolf Island. And tickets are only $25 and are available now at hotelwolfisland.com and thank you again have a good one and best of luck with the show thank you very much that does it for us this week on the kingston curator but remember you can check out this and all past episodes on our cfrc podcast feed For the next three weeks, the curator will be taking up a new time slot in CFRC's programming, running Thursdays instead at 3pm, so be sure to tune in then for your creative scoop. Additionally, I would like to wish my co-host Mary all the best and happy trails going forward. This is Lauren Tucker with Mary McKetty, signing off on 101.9 FM CFRC. Have a fantastic weekend.